Welcome to the very last episode of the Loogie <laughs> Podcast, number 53. Last week... We could do it without you, you know. I know, I know. Last week off air, the perfect nickname was crafted for the mighty Vogelback. We joked and we joshed and chortled at his size. But what I didn't know was that the human furnace, his <laughs> new and now unspeakable nickname, can giveth and taketh away. <laughs> for I'm shivering in my 78 degree apartment, feeling the warmth leave my body every second. I poked fun at the seemingly pokeable <laughs> Pillsbury man, but he poked back. Welcome to the episode where Zach feels like death. I'm feeling horrendously sick. I hope my friends Jack and Andrew are feeling less under the weather. This week, the Mets went 5-1, and one, bringing their overall record <laughs> to 71-39 and 39 overall. First place, seven games ahead of the Braves. Now, we have a huge series to talk about today, and that was the five-game series versus the NL East threatening Braves. Andrew, I saw a lot to love from our team. What were your main observations? There was so much to love with this series. I was definitely, I would say, worried going into it. Would have been happy with three wins. So happy with the four. And we really dominated them for all but probably two innings the entire series. You know, Walker struggled in the beginning of his start. But other than that, we were just the better team flat Mm -hmm. out that entire series. And this week, offensively, I mean, pitching has been great too, but the offense has been clicking probably better than it has all year. The team batted 295 over the last week. And just quickly read off a few batting averages from guys on the team. Naquin hit 471. McNeil hit 394. Nimmo 371. Lindor 344, Alonzo 324, Vogelback 304, and Nito 300. Exactly. That's seven out of nine guys hit over 300 for the week. Uh, It it was just an incredible offensive week. There's there's not much else you can say. No, I mean, we did dominate them. I think, and again, Lugie. Ahead of the curve on this issue, in my opinion, you know, this has a lot of similarities to what we saw against the Yankees. Yeah. And Lugie said back then, the Yankees are not a team built to win a World Series. Why is that? Because a team built on home runs and strikeouts inevitably runs up against good pitching, and that's where they're going to falter. And this is exactly what we saw with the Yankees. The Braves are number one in home runs in the league. They're last. Or number one, depending on which way you want to look at it, they have the most strikeouts in the league. Now, how are most home runs hit? Via mistake pitches Mm -hmm. by mediocre pitchers. Our staff does not have mediocre pitchers. We have all excellent pitchers. Our pitchers do not make a lot of mistakes. So you're not going to see a lot of home runs. What do you see as opposed to home runs? A lot of strikeouts. We struck out 19 batters on the DeGrom start the other night. So what we're seeing is a team built brilliantly and playing up to their potential the way they're most built to do against these teams that are built on home runs. They cannot compete against our pitching. There's no way the Yankees, the Braves, or any other team built like that, the Dodgers are going to give us trouble. 
But the Braves and Yankees team like that are not going to give us a problem with our with our pitching. It's just not going to happen. But the Yankees are first on home runs as well. They are next. They're sixth on the bottom in strikeouts. So this, these are very similar hitting teams, and we destroyed both of them. So there you oh, have yeah. it. And what a week for our new guys, like you were like you were mentioning, Andrew Naquin, who I found out from a Cajun is a Cajun name, and you're supposed to say it Nakan. Oh, really? Apparently, that's how you say that one, but that is mm. not even close to the way that's spelled. Mm. And um, we still like, say Naquin. Is that all right? Yeah, we can still say oh, Naquin because I can't um, say that other thing. Yeah, we don't. We don't want to no. be. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be right. We don't no. be right about that. Um, and obviously the human furnace tearing it up with some big hits and even Darren Ruff's first at bat was a pinch hit double two RBIs. I mean, what, what introductions for these guys? And it's hopefully, hopefully can be sustained. Uh, also just some really good defense behind the ball and behind the pitchers. We've got, we've got some guys who, who get grounders, obviously, Scherzer and DeGrom had huge strikeout games. But we've got some pitchers who get the ball on the ground, and the defense has been pretty flawless. I remember one play where Giorme went home with, I think it was first and third. Oh, yeah. He went home with a ball that maybe Darno should have got a better jump on. But, I mean, everybody's just firing out there. And after, after we gave up, after Walker gave up those runs in that, I think it was the second game of the Braves series, we could have we we could have given up that game really, but we made it interesting. We got to their bullpen, and then came back the next day and swept the doubleheader. So it was just dominance by the Mets. Well, you talk about getting to their bullpen, and Gary kept talking about it. Legitimately, we work mm-hmm. these pitchers over. I mean, we get yeah. lots of swings, we get lots of looks, we get lots of foul balls. The other night, um, Strider was in the third inning, had not given up a run yet, was already at 70 pitches before he started giving <laughs> up the runs. Yeah. So this is a very underrated thing that we've been doing. Maybe not necessarily underrated because we all see it. In fact, Keith made a comment as Alonzo was fouling off balls. The crowd is cheering because they know what's going on. They know that we're working these pitchers and we're making them. When, it, when, yeah. when Strider's got is pitching well, but yet has 68, 70-plus pitches in the third inning, you know he's almost done. You know we're going to the bullpen mm-hmm. by the fourth, fifth inning. So the fans are seeing what's going on, and this has been a huge key to our success, getting these starting pitches to work hard. It's frustrating for those guys. And the way our batters are approaching, you know, the, the, the approach at the plate is making this happen, and it's been very um, – it's made a huge difference getting these guys out of there. And you mentioned um, Naquin. And yeah. I don't know where how we got this guy so easily. I mean, this this kid is almost a five-tool player because he's got speed. He's got an excellent arm. He's a superb defensive corner outfielder. He's got mm-hmm. some pop. He's got two home runs for us already. This kid, this is the kind of fourth outfielder you win pennants with. You don't win pennants with Jankowski <laughs> or, or or any of those other guys we normally have. This is because oh, this is Bummer. also a player that could step in in an injury and you don't lose anything. So Naquin hats off to Epler for picking picking up a brilliant fourth outfielder that makes a lot of difference in in what Buck can do with that lineup. Jack, you mentioned uh, Spencer Strider's start. He had some comments about 
the Mets team and how they're hitting. Uh, Andrew, do you want to share? Yeah, this was a pretty funny one, I think. Strider, like you mentioned, the, the Mets worked him extremely hard. He he is the probably going to be the rookie of the year for the NL. He's having a fantastic season. Strikeout numbers are better than anyone has had in a long time as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he only made it through two and two-thirds of an inning. Gave up six hits, four runs on those 79 pitches. And yes, well, I guess actually let me get into the quote first. So after the game, Strider said, there were a lot of weird hits. They seem to be having a lot of luck right now offensively. That's great. (laughs) It's August. We'll see what things are like in October. And then he went on to say, it helps when they're getting calls and 1-1 counts turn into 2-1 counts instead of 1-2 counts and stuff like that. When your BABIP is 330, 340 as a team, it's tough to get quick innings and get quick outs. So Ooh. he's not wrong. The Mets had a few lucky hits, I would say, that Alonzo double that went off third base and yeah. skipped yeah. into the outfield that scored two runs. You know, that is a lucky hit. Mm-hmm. But the Mets are putting the ball in play more than any other team is. They are working counts. You know, they're. Sure, there could be a few bad calls, but that just happens all the time. And mm-hmm. it definitely happened the other way, too. So him saying that, you know, clearly he was just frustrated. He got beat by a better team, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny him bringing up the Babbitt numbers because, you know, the Mets have the <laughs> Mets have the Babbitt, what? Yeah, exactly. The Mets have the sixth highest Babbitt in the league. So sure, they've gotten a little bit lucky. The Braves, nowhere near as lucky, all the way down in ninth. So I don't know if he's looking into those numbers. The teams have basically the exact same luck, if you want to call it that, offensively. So mm-hmm. I just think it was kind of a tone-deaf comment. It was definitely a rookie comment. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the Mets just beat him, plain and simple. I think there's also some truth to what he says because every team is going to go through. We all go through. It was only two or three weeks ago we were talking about juggling the lineup and, and getting, yep. you know, moving guys around and figuring out how to reignite the offense. So, you know, these cold, hot streaks happen. There's definitely good luck involved in the hot streaks. There's bad luck involved in the cold streaks. Um, but I think because of what, we, what we've seen the last week from our club is the way we've seen them perform earlier in the season is not necessarily something unique or, or a, um, just a, a piece of luck that we are, you know, a fluke that we're hitting this way right now. But there is some truth to what he's saying, but we're still the team that's proven that we're going to continue to hit this way. This is the way we do things, and this has been this way all year. It's not like this is a new thing. And, and again, let's go back to, you know, we needed to shake up the offense a couple of weeks ago. We in, insert Vogelbach and, and Ruff and Naquin. Well, of course we're going to be better now. You know, we just improved three key spots in the lineup with those guys. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I mean, you're going to have to deal with it, Strider, because your ass is going down in October, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Shut All up. right. He's I mean, I'm really, very it's very salty. interesting to pick up Vogelbach, who was just a spare spare part. And now he's inserted batting fifth against righties in our lineup, and he's batting 333 since we got him with two home runs and seven RBIs. So, um, and, and here's the thing, too. The lineup, nobody wants to be the weak link in a lineup like this. 
Yeah. Nobody wants to be the guy who isn't contributing. So people are playing that much harder. There's that much focus. And again, I go back. Gary mentioned it. We still are way out in front leading the major leagues in infield hits. And I'm sorry. I'll go back to nobody wants to be the guy that's not hustling. Nobody wants to be a guy that doesn't run hard. That is why, and with Buck Walter standing over there, you don't want to be that guy, especially. That's why we're leading the league in infield hits. Because nobody wants to not run hard. And 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 we're on the subject real quick. Nito, squeeze bunt the other oh, night. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bucky ball. But a couple sacrifice bunts on top of that. So, yep. you know, he's having a hard time contributing. But the sacrifice hits and that squeeze all seem to be leading to, every time he lays on a bunt, it leads to a run. So. Yeah. Just some some great some great baseball we're able to watch with this team. Absolutely, we also had Lindor steal a bag and yeah. get home on a double with two outs. We're we're back to doing some some Bucky ball. We had I think nineteen runs in three games without a home run. That's that's how we were playing at the beginning of the year. You love to see it. All right, Jack, we got a little time for trade talk. Uh, you got something for us? Well, I was going to say real quick. I mean, hats off to Billy Epler because I just. I was looking at, you know, we, we had mentioned a possibly again in Brandon Drury to yeah. be our right-handed bat as opposed to Brandon Ruff, which if, if I could fault Epler anywhere, I think he shortchanged us a little bit with Ruff. He could have done a little better, but he's still an upgrade. So we'll take the upgrade. But Brandon Drury went, went to the Padres. The, the, the player dealt to the Padres is now the Reds' 15th-ranked prospect. Now, I don't know where he was at the Padres. He was probably in the top 20 also there. But that just goes to show how Epler really stuck to his guns and said, I am not giving up anybody good. Yeah. Because we got to build for the future, and I need to keep those pieces to make a real trade, not a trade to get a spare part here or there, which is all these guys are right now. So when I saw Drury, who's 35 years old, I might add, and a free agent at the end of the season went for a 15th-ranked prospect in someone's organization, I mean, I was just shocked. So... Hats off to Epler to not pulling the trigger on some shit deal to get a rental player. I've got a I've got a question for you guys about uh, considering trade talk. We didn't go and get Contreras from the Cubs, and we were mm-hmm. thinking about it. We obviously are lacking bats with our catchers, um, but I was listening to the Mets on the radio the other day because we couldn't watch the Braves games. And the radio guy mentioned Francisco Alvarez being used like the Cubs used Contreras in 2016. They had Ross and Montero for that run. And I don't know if you guys think it would be possible for us to bring him up just as like a kind of, I guess he would be like a pinch hitter for the catcher who could finish out catching a game after, I don't know if there's room on the bench for him. In the playoffs, I was just wondering. I thought that was an interesting take. Now, who was that? Ross and who? When Contreras was brought up, who was the other catcher that was there? Miguel Montero. Oh, yeah, Montero. Go ahead, Andrew. I think that's interesting. I never really considered that. I know it was talked about him being brought up to maybe just be a DH, but now we kind of have DH solved for the time being. Right. I still think with... A position so important as catcher where defense is such a big thing yeah it might still be worth letting him sit in the minors and just keep on developing and keep on working because the reports are he's not great defensively like it's not <laughs> awful but he ne- he needs some work still okay. and 
he's been hitting some home runs, but I think even offensively, he just needs to be down there. And it, it would be interesting to bring him up just for the playoffs when minor league season is already over. Because what else is he going to be doing? Might as well get him some experience. Um, there's service time implications there with, you know, if you want to keep him on your team longer, you don't want to bring him up too early. Uh, but it is definitely an interesting idea. And I don't see why not. But I don't know. I could go either way on it, I guess. I think the reason you wouldn't do it is because he's batting 192 right now in Syracuse. Oh. So that's rough. The other thing I think is a huge factor in what you said just said jack when Contreras was brought up in 2016 he was 24 years old uh, so yeah. he was a seasoned guy he'd been in the minor leagues quite a while obviously at 24 when he was called up alvarez is only 20 mm-hmm. so you know that's, that's a long way to go yet for a youngster to make that leap he if he was i mean if he was 24 i would say yeah i would consider that and, and mm-hmm. if brandon ruff wasn't delivering here in the last, you know, in an, over the next month or so, I would definitely consider it. But mm-hmm. at age 20, while he's batting 192 down below, that would be hard to do. Um, you know, if he was batting 250, then you'd maybe start to think about it a little bit based on how Ruff performs. If Ruff got hot, then obviously there'd be no reason to do that. But um, yeah, but yeah, at age 20 versus Contreras at 24, I think that that's a huge factor there too. Yeah, that might be a little rough to bring him to bring him yeah. up at this time. Speaking of guys who uh, who are a little rough, Jack Lindor and the Pitchcom. What can you tell us about that? I know you love the guy. I mean, I was <laughs> I was shocked. First of all, the guy bad enough. He's still wearing two gloves. It's I, I mean, what is going on with this? I mean, some guys are out there. I forget. Well, somebody's out there barehanded. This guy's putting on two oven mitts. I'm like, just stop it already. What's what? The, what is going on? But then, um. I guess somebody was on second base, and so they went to the pitchcom, and he had the pitchcom in his ear, and he was listening to the pitchcom to see what the pitches. I have never, I know the pitchcom hasn't been around that long. Yeah. But I, I would do. Were you guys aware of this that he's, he's using pitchcom to know what the pitch is going to be? I had no idea. I I didn't know that he was specifically. I have heard as heard of that as a thing because it was always the case that you want your infielders or at least your middle infielders, to know what pitch is coming so they can kind of anticipate it. But that is right. interesting. Yeah, I mean, typically the middle infielders are looking in at the signs, and they know the signs, you know, how they're working the signs. To, right. So that they can, and they won't. They don't adjust, obviously, the pitch is thrown. They might take a step to the right if you're a shortstop. Uh-huh. If it's a curveball, anticipating potential of a, a pull, you might take a step to the left if it's a fastball away. Um, but you don't want you don't tip the batter off, of course. So he is getting a little bit of a uh, insight of what is the most likely going to be a result of a batted ball hit to him, be it to his right or to his left. But I had no idea that he had the uh, pitchcom in his own ear. So I just found it very interesting. Old two gloves, they call him now. I mean, well, come on. Poor, poor Wayne Kirby. He's going to have a heart attack trying to shove that second glove <laughs> on one of these nights. You see how hard it is to get that thing on? Yeah, Kirby's going to keel over. <laughs> keel over Kirby, they call him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that was really upsetting to me. All right, Andrew, you got a comment on Lindor as well? Yeah, well, after Jack's roasting of Lindor, 
this will be my my weekly attempt to convince Jack that Lindor <laughs> is actually good. Uh, so I was just peeking at the stats, and over the last thirty days, which is twenty seven games, he's hitting three forty nine, twenty RBIs, twenty two runs scored, one thousand sixteen OPS, and also in that same thirty days, among the team, Lindor ranks first in hits and batting average. Third in doubles, second in home runs. He just hit one about five minutes ago, so now he's tied. First in runs, second in RBIs, and first in walks. So he is on fire, and for an entire month, I know we said he he goes on hot streaks and cold streaks, but a 30-day hot streak, I don't think you can call that a streak anymore. Right, now... Now you tell me he's going to get cold in September, October. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, probably. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that he's not going to do that, but right now he has been absolutely on fire. Someday he'll be a Bud Harrelson, I hope. Hey, uh, <laughs> one, one more, one more thing. <laughs> did you guys that... see Pete Lindor? Did you see Pete Al- Alonso lick his bat? What? No. Oh yeah, Pete is on deck two nights ago. See, you guys didn't watch as much as I did. I watched every game, every inning of every I game. I guess so. Pete Alonso licked his bat while it was on deck. Oh, my gosh. Is and that nobody normal? saw it. I mean, well, that's you a guys, Yasiel Puig move. You guys got to get on that. Find out why Pete is licking his bat. Well, we know he's a weirdo. Uh, yeah, he is a weirdo, isn't he? He's if, a little different. If I, w- if I was going to pick one person to lick a bat on our team... I would pick Pete. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys. But... Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Hey, Despite... but we love him, of course. I wonder if that helps the ball. Maybe that saliva helps the ball explode off the bat a little bit. I, I think know. that's exactly... I mean, he could have spit on it, but yeah. I think the licking is kind of more accurate and the more accurate layering. What are your favorite performances from the last five games, those five games that we destroyed those guys? Um, you guys, tell me about some of your favorite performances. Well, I'll tell you, I was really impressed with the bullpen. Uh, Joely Rodriguez goes two and a third, yeah. and then Diaz K's the ninth in that game. That was after Scherzer pitched incredibly in the second game of the doubleheader. And then there was Diaz's two uh, two inning save in the yep. first game, six outs, just absolutely electric. He is on fire and it's it's beautiful to watch absolutely beautiful to watch so the bullpen was was huge for us backing up our great starting pitching and uh they did really well in the game where where we got what was it the eight the eight nothing start to the game Mm -hmm. uh williams comes in and i forget who comes in after that but i think givens came in at one point shut him down and yeah i I don't know if they gave – I think they gave up maybe one run the rest of the game. Right. It was really, really huge for the bullpen to be uh, – Williams saved our saved our bullpen for the doubleheader the next day, yes, which was just awesome. So yeah, he's been shout fantastic. out to the bullpen guys. Yep. Andrew, what did you like that you saw these five games? I liked David Peterson. He oh, yeah. stepped Ooh. up big time in that doubleheader. Oh, and- yeah. Same thing. He definitely saved the rotation there. Kept us mm-hmm. from having to go to either a bullpen game or pitch some guy on less rest and risk some kind of injury. So he yeah, he was huge for us. And then Jacob deGrom was oh, just yeah. absolutely dominant. That was <laughs> the heck possibly that? Yeah. 
the best I've ever seen him look. Oh yeah. And it's only his second start off of the injured list. You know, he he ran out of gas at the end. He gave up the walk and then the home run to Swanson. But before that, he was untouchable. I think they said he threw of the 20 sliders that the Braves swung at, they missed on 18 of them. Oh, yeah. At one point, he threw a 95 and a 96 mile an hour slider, <laughs> which is absolutely unheard of. I, I don't know how anyone could even pray to touch that. <laughs> and yeah, he was just so locked in. It's unfortunate that it seems like he's not fully stretched out to go close to 100 pitches yet. But like I said, yeah. it is still early and he's he's building up to it. But that is he just looks so absolutely dominant. Well, you know, one of the best things, one of the key issues of uh-huh. coming in and winning four out of five or and stretching our lead over the Braves it is that it relieves the pressure on the Grom to do too much too early. Yeah. We can absolutely. continue to let him pitch 60, 70, 75 pitches until we're sure, until we're sure we have to unleash him. We, it's not like we're dropping in, into a middle of a pennant race where we have a thin starting rotation and we need innings out of, out of him, which has happened in the past to the Mets, getting guys back. And we're like, thank God he's back because we need this guy so badly. We don't need him that badly. Mm-hmm. And we have Trevor Williams and David Peterson to you know, step in behind him if he does a short start and stretch it out and not have to go to the pen. So this is a great spot for DeGrom to come back very slowly and very carefully. Zach, I go, uh, the bullpen was fantastic. And Diaz, what I was found most interesting about Diaz, that's Buck Walter saying, this is game one of this series. We need to set the tone. We need mm-hmm. to get a win under our belt. We need to come back the next night with the confidence that, that we've already got a win under our belt, not to worry about two and losing two in a row. So what yeah. a great night and a great spot and a great situation to bring Diaz to go the nine. And hats off to Diaz for being able to get out of the two innings under 30 pitches, which I think oh, yeah. is, is, a, is a vital. Because Lugo was starting to warm up in the pen there in the ninth um, because he wasn't going to go much longer, but he got out of that, so that was great. And the other thing I have to say from a positive point of view that I saw, Pete Alonso is not just a home run hitter, is he? No, no, no. This guy goes and gets tough. He's not afraid to swing at pitches that are not. Stanton, who I can't stand. What's his name? <laughs> Gabriella Stanton? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's his name? Yeah, just from John the Yankees. John Carlos yeah. Gabriella. I like Gabriella Stanton. He's not that kind of a hitter. Stanton is looking for the pitch to drive into the left field fence or the right field fence every time. Mm-hmm. Pete will say, okay. Here's a 3-2 slider off the plate. I'm going to swing, but I'm going to hit the ball with authority. And how many times? Have we, you know, he had um, 11 hits in that series, only one home run. I mean, the guy who got, I think he had 10, 11, he had eight or nine singles because he's becoming an excellent hitter, which yeah. makes it that much harder to pitch this guy. So Pete Alonso taking it to the next level, um, despite licking his bat in the on-deck <laughs> That's what um, it is, I think. That's I'm really, I'm really enjoying watching Pete at the plate because you know he's not. It's, they're still getting him on that outside slider, but who, you know, uh, but he's really becoming more disciplined. It's very exciting to watch. How about things you didn't like? 
things I didn't like. Andrew, you got something for that? I loved almost everything I saw. The only thing I'm worried about is Walker and his second halves, you know? Yeah, I think Walker is a good one. I know we talked about Starling Marte has been slumping a little bit. I think mm-hmm. he he had the big home run last night yeah. uh, to lead off the game, which set the tone for that and ended up being a huge run because the offense kind of fell asleep in the back mm-hmm. half of that game. Uh, but other than that, he, he hasn't been on fire like he was. But yeah, there's really surprisingly not much to complain about. Well, you mentioned, yeah, Zach, did you have something? You mentioned Walker. Yeah, I mean, Walker was the only thing yeah, that no, I'm, I want to jump I'm on that because I had, I had texted you guys, and I wish I had said it in last week's telecast because I was concerned. The two starts previous to the night he got bombed, he was not very dominant. His strikeout rate was low. He only pitched five innings. He was still got through the innings, and he still got, I think he walked away with at least one win in those two starts prior to getting rocked. But that splitter that had been working so effectively for him was not there. And I said, you know, he he's not the same guy in the last two starts. I hope this is not a sign of things to come. And then he got totally ripped, and he was he was had no movement on his pitches whatsoever. Particular splitter wasn't wasn't dropping at all. It was coming in. So this is going to be an interesting to keep our eye on. I, I really have to wonder if, and I, I'd like to hear what um, Hefner would say about an idea of just shutting him down for a couple of weeks, let Peterson take his starts, and just to change because yeah. we saw what happened last year, and that's the only reason I would think of doing this. Shut mm-hmm. him down for a couple of weeks, or at least skip two starts, and then bring him back to see if that makes a difference. Because if he gets bombed at his next start, to me, sit him down, let him regroup, or, or do whatever yeah. it takes. But there's something wrong if the second year in a row he's going to be faltering on, on the back half of the season. So uh, Walker's next start will be very much watched by, uh, I think, the Mets staff to see you know, if this is a trend that continues and what they can do to shake him out of it, because we're going to need him down the stretch. Granted, Bassett, beautiful the other night uh, against the Reds. Yeah, I mean, eight innings. Um, this kid, this guy, he reminds me of Max in terms of, of, of he just wants to battle. Tenacity. He wants to battle, 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 and and, and walk away and, and kick everyone's ass. So he's yeah. a real competitor. So, but, um, so we've got arms if we have guys that can't get through these innings, like if Walker falters, obviously we have other plans, but um, we're going to keep our eye on that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of arms, uh, Andrew, one last note on Diaz you got? Well, Edwin Diaz, I don't know if you guys have seen any of this because I'm not huge on social media, but he has been exploding recently. There's this video of him doing his walkout from the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And the cameraman starts right behind him and follows him basically all the way to the mound while his yeah. entrance song Narco is blasting, you know, the trumpets playing, you got the fans going crazy, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Met playing fake trumpets. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I don't know what game the specific clip is from, but I have seen it everywhere. It was like all over Reddit, all over Instagram, on TikTok. I saw a clip from the Pat McAfee show where one of the guys brought it up and they were talking about it. And I've never listened to that show, but I don't even think they talk about baseball usually. 
and it has just been everywhere i've I've seen people making parodies of it them you know walking into the office at work with that song playing in the background or <laughs> doing whatever just like a bunch of really cool clips it's a reflection of his dominance i mean yeah. you know this is the way he comes on the, on the field last year too but he wasn't lights out like he is this year i mean exactly. this is yeah. just this is farcical Right, what he's doing right it's, now. This is like this is like me pitching wiffle ball in the backyard against you two guys. <laughs> you know, it's a joke. So, but what? Well, okay, now, as far as I know, SNY is uh-huh. in commercial when he comes on the field. Am I wrong? It is an absolute joke. SNY cannot stay <laughs> for his entrance onto the field and find some other way to make up for that thirty-second commercial. That we're missing out on that as a fan. And it's yeah. total bullshit. Well, recently, <laughs> the it's SNY bullshit. broadcast has been doing that, actually. They have been they foregoing better. one or two commercials, and they've been showing his entire walkout. And I think that is what the clip is from, because it starts right. with him in the bullpen. Uh, but a few other notes on the SNY broadcast. I don't know if you guys have noticed anything different recently, but they have been absolutely nailing it. They did, which this one wasn't that new, but they did that comic book style shot where they have the pitcher in one corner, the batter in one yeah. corner, and then the bottom is the entire mound and plate. Right. They yeah. do that faded together shot with the pitcher and the batter where it kind of looks like they're staring each other down. Mm-hmm. They did it with DeGrom in his most recent start. And then, Zach, you pointed out the <laughs> Buck Showalter clip where one of our guys got hit by a pitch, it cuts to him. They put a red <laughs> filter on the screen, and then they do the Kill Bill siren oh, music, geez. which was just great. And they have been getting, they've been doing some great stuff. They've been getting a lot of credit. I see a lot of people talking about how great the broadcast has been. Well, people are saying recently it's been good this whole time, uh, but they have been doing some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, I saw last night there was a a steal, or but it was like oh, yeah, a the face on indifference or something defensive like that. indifference. Yep. Yeah, defensive mm, indifference. Yes. They had a great little thing for that, but it was it was so funny to see them do that shot with uh with Buck. It was right after uh <laughs> right after what's his name uh, <laughs> right after Pete almost got hit in the head with a fastball. So he right, was right. he was doing his his uh, classic stare down, pissed as all hell. It's just beautiful, beautiful to see. It's as if SNY broadcasters and the producer and the truck guys are televising this game with the same confidence that the Mets are playing with. You know, yeah, yeah. they're like not afraid to take risks and do some new things and fun things because when your team's playing like that. Yeah, it just it just makes that much more fun and much more interesting. Absolutely, they're into their jobs because they're seeing yeah. how much the Mets are into their jobs right now. I think that's yeah. that, there's definitely something to that. Hey, the team's sure. bringing it to the next level. The broadcast guys got to bring it to the next level. That's right. The Mets are about to be a Absolutely. spectacle. Must watch TV. But Andrew's right. Not only are are, are the are the the truck guys going, but Gary, Keith, and Ron. I didn't make a list of it, but they were. They were calling things ahead of time more than once. Mm-hmm. Ronnie calling a pitch or Keith calling. I mean, they, these guys are They're seeing all the game it. really well right now. They are also a very intense and and really into the action, no doubt. 
especially with these great games we've been having, these two oh, great boy. series with the Braves and the hey, Yankees. Uh, Jackie, Jack, you wanted to talk about a comparison that was made between the Braves and the Yankees? Well, I talked about it earlier that these they're both home run hitting teams that strike out a lot. In fact, Brian Snicker said it point blank. This is who we are. This is how we've been constructed. They're first in the league in home runs. They're last in the league in strikeouts. Yeah. And as we said, good pitching is going to destroy teams like this because you're not going to hit home runs off good pitchers. They're not going to make the mistakes that you would only capitalize on. So the Braves are not a fear. The Dodgers are, are, are a fear, but the Braves are not. Not with the team, not with the team they've built. This is just not going to happen. <laughs> Andrew, do you agree? Um, I do right now. With the pitching that we have, we're definitely in a spot where they should not be able to compete with us. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that unfolds over the rest of the season. But we we are definitely built to beat teams like the Braves and the Yankees, like Jack was saying. Yes. Yeah, we've we've got another four game series with them coming up. Maybe they'll be lucky this time and we'll be unlucky, but I guess we'll just have to see. And then we have six games versus the Phillies who are playing some good ball right now. That's 10 games in the NL East coming up. Do we want to make predictions on this? Do we want to see uh, see if, uh, you know, who can get the closest? Jack, we can start with you. Yeah, we're going to win 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 because the pitchers Ooh. are pitching so good right now. and um. The Phillies are no better in these department of striking out and hitting yeah, home runs. I mean, they're, they're a similarly built team. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, our pitchers are going to eat these guys up. They're just not that good. I mean, we're going we're gonna to kick – okay, I, I said we're going to kick their ass. <laughs> <laughs> I like that so, prediction, yeah. Andrew. What do you think? I was I was going to say I would, I'd be very happy with 8-2, and two, but in the spirit of competition, I'll say 7-3. and three. Wow, I guess that leaves me with nine and one. Wow, confident. <laughs> you are confident. I'm not I can't go six and four. <laughs> did you see boring. uh did you see Noah Syndergaard in his first start with the Phillies? Oh Terrible. yes, I yes I did. Five he got the innings, win. He got the win though. Yeah, I know. Five innings, eleven <laughs> hits, and four runs. Only two strikeouts, I might add. So Yeah, he hasn't been striking out anybody. Bring it I think on, we... Noah Syndergaard. Bring it on. I think we won't see him in the first series, but we might in the second, is what I heard. I mean, not yeah, to say I think he won't correct. turn around next year after he comes back from his injury. It takes a year to come back from that shit. But, um, yeah. It'll be exciting when we when we face him. It'll be good. Um all right, so we are we got some high hopes for that for those three series coming up. It's uh th- this is what I like to hear from you guys. You guys are watching some great Mets baseball right now. Good to see. Good to see. All right, let's move on to other notable MLB storylines this week. We'll start with Players of the Week. Andrew, who do you got? My Player of the Week, uh, hopefully I didn't steal it from anyone else, is Chris Sale. Hey. What? Today, the Red Sox announced that he will miss the rest of the season with a broken wrist after he fell off his bicycle. Oh no! So you apparently, doofus. Apparently, oh, on no. Saturday, uh, Sale was doing some throwing at Boston College. He hopped on a bike to go get some lunch, and he hit something while he was going down <laughs> the hill, and he flew no. off his bike. Which side note? I don't know if any of you, either of you guys have ever done that. 
No, I haven't. Uh, but it hurts not, like not hell. Since I, was, since I was eight, I think, the last time I did this. <laughs> I did it. I was riding down a hill. I hit a crack in the sidewalk, fell off my bike into some poison ivy. Oh, Lord. Uh, so I had double pain. But <laughs> anyway, Sale, Sale's been having a rough couple of years. He missed all of 2020 with an injury. He only made nine starts last year. And now he has this season end after only two starts. He signed a five-year, $145 million extension back in 2019. He's three years into that deal. He's only made 14 total starts and only 57 and a third innings pitched. So it's definitely a bad time to be... Uh, a Red Sox with the last name S. We got Sale and Story <laughs> making some big money. Jeez. Uh, not producing. Well, actually, it's just a bad time to be a Red Sox in general. But anyway. $30 million. $30 million Chris Sale's making this year. You know what I think about Chris Sale? I think he's I think he's doing the Troy Troy Wonder Boy thing from, <laughs> from Community. I think that he got the money and now he feels the pressure. And he said, I... I can't handle that. I'm going to injure myself. Got to take a dive. And, yeah, take a dive and, and just keep getting hurt over and over again until uh, until my career is over because I, I don't want to disappoint anybody after giving me all this money. Uh, I'm I'm suspicious of Chris Sale. I'm very suspicious. Falling off a bike. Come on. Off a bike. What do you do with $30 million a year, especially when you get $30 million a year to next year? What do you do with all that money? Um. Uh, you pay hospital you don't, bills. Don't even, you don't even know. You don't, you know, you call you don't Uber. Even, okay, my player of the call week. My player of the week is a guy. Is a guy who I have to call this dude out because I didn't expect much from him after leaving Colorado. But Nolan Arenado has been spectacular for the Cardinals, especially this year. Last year he was good. This year he's even better. Last seven games, ten for twenty-two, batting four fifty-five. His slugging. Is 955. His OPS is 1.4, three home runs, eight RBIs. So, wow. 455, 10 for 22 in the last seven games. For a guy who left Colorado, eh, not too bad. So, I'm going to tip of the cap and an apology, one of my many apologies uh, to Nolan Arenado. Poof, wow. Wow. He's no Lindor, but. I guess he deserves an apology uh, for some reason. He, was, he All sent right. me an email. He sent me an email <laughs> actually saying, you know, dude, what? have you looked at my numbers lately? I said, oh, sorry, man. I'll, I'll give you a shout out this week on Loogie. So he, he's probably listening. No one I'm, wow. I'm glad to have you back hitting well. Go ahead, Zach. Awesome. Well, um, we'll get we'll get to the, I guess it's my player of the week. Did you say your, was that your player of the week right there? Yeah, it was my player of the week. Okay, my player of the week we've already talked about, uh, Spencer Strider. <laughs> I'm I'm just I just feel embarrassed for the guy. Obviously, he's been having such a good year, and he he couldn't handle getting beat so badly by the Mets, who, like Jack said, stretched him past seventy pitches in the three innings. Uh, and then he gave up four runs, and they just yanked him. I mean, it's it's always tough uh, for a young guy like that to deal. You know, obviously he's got some. Uh, Got some issues. So. Hey, I'm embarrassed for him too. Did you see those thighs? <laughs> those thighs are like tree trunks. Ooh, Where does wow. he get pants to fit himself? I mean, those things are just. Oh, you're right. They're he did massive. Have tight, he, did, he did have pretty tight pants. Are you kidding me? 
I thought he was a WWE wrestler. The guy was unbelievable. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. He does kind of have the name of a WWE wrestler, too. Yeah, and that mustache. Does. Yeah. Oh, the and mustache. The, and and the there mustache, was a porn star. Yeah. What the heck is this guy doing out there? <laughs> it didn't look. It's a bad look. Strider yeah, well, with, the, with the mustache, too. Hopefully, it's if... Like if the Mets do meet the Braves in the playoffs, which I doubt the Dodgers or the Padres won't be representing in the NLCS, but uh, if that does happen, uh, Spencer Strider will probably be uh, regretting those words because I think it'll, it's going to spark the Mets. The Mets won't forget that. Mets He'll regret forget listening that. to Loogie at that point because we're going to be all over his case. <laughs> uh, what's next? That was what's a good next? roast. That was a good roast. I feel, I feel bad for the guy now. <laughs> All right, Jack, besides Spencer Strider's tight pants and porn stash, what's bothering you this week? Well, I got to It's not really bothering me. It's just, well, I guess it is. It's really a question mark. Joey Cora, who uh, for some reason, uh, the SNY is making it out to be the greatest third base coach ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guy slides in the third, and you see how he points to where yeah. the ball is. Now, the player is on third brushing off his pants or taking off his body armor. He is not looking at Joey Cora pointing at whoever's oh. holding the ball. But then when the camera cuts off Joey Cora, he's still pointing at the ball. My question is, how long does this guy stand there pointing at the ball? And no one's even paying attention to it. Have you <laughs> this pointing thing? Yeah, you yeah stop I've, seen, it? I've seen the pointing thing. I, I want to say that he doesn't stop pointing until it goes back to the pitcher. That's yeah, why. Yeah, it goes back to the pitcher. Oh, that's great. I mean, where's this guy going to go? He knows the ball's in the infield. He's not going to run home. <laughs> Ooh, let me see if I could steal home off the shortstop who's holding the ball too long. Look, we Just talked about... It. I think we... it's a show. He's trying to make himself bigger than he is. Stop <laughs> pointing, over-pointing. <laughs> Look, we talked, we talked about how the Mets are bringing intensity this year. The broadcast is bringing intensity this year. So it's only right. Yeah. That the base coaches bring some intensity, and you know your yeah. boy, what's his name on the first base side? Um, what'd you call him earlier? Uh, Keel over Kirby. <laughs> yeah, Keel over Kirby. You know he's not bringing any intensity, so Cora's got to make up for it. That's why he goes so well, damn hard all the time. You know, I will say this though. Um, the other night, Mazika like check swing bunted against the shift. And, yeah. and put like a, a, a into the like the left field grass. Did you guys see that the other night? Yeah, yeah I did. Mazika went against the shift, and Kirby is laughing, and he's pointing at Escobar and a couple other guys in the bench as if to say, <laughs> "Why don't you guys do that?" Yeah, too? it's not that hard. <laughs> They're all like, "No, no, screw that. We ain't gonna do no half bunt check swing crap." <laughs> so I give funny. I give Keel over Kirby credit for calling out those other guys to to go against the bunt against that shift. So that that was a pretty funny moment. I, Anyway, I, I think I checked off everything on my list here. I've said way too much anyway. Yeah, well done. That was a great What's Bothering Jack segment. Let's move on to quizzing you this week. This should be pretty no, quick. No, quiz. Uh, make it, no quiz. No. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Go no ahead. quiz? I'm sure you can do it. All right. You'll get this right, one right, in an instant, I'm telling you. All right. Well, you got to yeah. go ahead. All right. Uh, rookie season four or after 1949. Or was it before 1949? Before. NL or AL? NL. And AL a little bit. But mostly mostly NL. Infielder? Infielder. 
Central? Yes. Lots of, I mean, he played NL Central and also NL East, it looks right. like. But mostly most NL. For, he's most known for NL Central team? Mostly NL Central, yeah. Did he ever win an MVP? Two. Actually, again, prior to 19, what did I say, prior to 1949? 47, I think. Seven. Yeah, that way I don't have to ask if he's black or white. That yeah, works out pretty well, don't it? Exactly. Uh, 47 is, is Jackie Robinson, by the way, in case you didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I think uh, Two MVPs? Two MVPs. Oh, I should know this. I should know this. You should. You should know it. You know. You do know it. I give up. Who is it? It's Rogers Hornsby. Oh, my. Rogers, you're going way back there. Yeah, Cardinal. Oh, yeah. Card- yeah, 1915 rookie year. Played all the way to 1937. Actually, um, two-time MVP Hall of Famer. Yeah, the MVP was unofficial, by the way, in the years that he won the MVP. That's what threw me off. The true MVP wasn't until the uh, 30s. So that kind of threw me off. Rogers Hornsby he batted. How many times did he, and he bat? Oh, he batted 424 at least one year. 424 it was his highest uh, batting average in the single season. He's a maniac. Also, he was the first base coach uh, for the New York Mets in 1962. What? So we have a Met next to Rogers Hornsby. (laughs) Yeah, he preceded Wayne Kirby. Wayne Kirby and Rogers Hornsby. Who would ever heard those guys in the same sentence? What a (laughs) night on Loogie. What a night. We're firing all cylinders I didn't want to guess because, Zach, I know you're not feeling well, so we need to get you in bed. I appreciate it. I feel like... I feel like I just earned a victory right there. You guys know who Wally Pipp is? Uh, no. Wally I'm Pipp, not going to. Wally Pipp was not was under the weather one day. He's the first baseman for the Yankees in 1925. He wasn't feeling well in June of 1925. Lou Gehrig took his place. Lou Gehrig started 2,130 games in a row first base for the New York Yankees. Now, why do I mention that? Because Zachary knew if he took off tonight... We got a replacement host. He'd be done. He'd be done. So that's why wow. Zach sucked up the host tonight. That's right. He knew it'd that's be right. over. That's right. Uh, Sorry, thank Zach. you guys. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for this week's episode, episode fifty-two of Loogie. Um, there will be another episode. I'm feeling. I'm feeling so much better just just talking to you guys. Oh, you know, it's really it's really rejuvenated me. The Mets are winning. McNeil hit a home run just just a couple minutes ago. So you know what? Life's pretty good. Life is pretty good. We'll be back for episode fifty four. Uh, you know, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Lugie Podcast. Tell a friend, rate us seven stars. Uh, you guys did excellent tonight. You guys were on fire. You were too. Oh, Oster. thank you. I'm, I I literally started to feel on fire after I started talking about the human furnace <laughs> again. I think he turned my heat back on. Yeah. I'm on fire. Andrew, the title of this episode's got to be Chris Sale should have called an Uber. That was brilliant. <laughs> Indeed. A bike. That one got me. That one got me. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing with all that money if he can't buy a freaking Uber? Maybe maybe he's like a renaissance man. He's like, I still like to bike. You know, be, yeah, be among the I can people. see it. He's a weirdo. <laughs>